Hello, listeners. This is The Critic, once again introducing you to a special episode of Why Watch That. This is the final of three episodes in which we give you movie reviews only. And that's because this holiday season, we all know, gives us so many movies to watch and enjoy. If you haven't checked out the previous two episodes, please do so. Also, be sure to check out whywatchthat.com. And a final note. Next week, we will be coming back to TV, so check that out as well. Here we go with our reviews of Hidden Figures, Patterson, 20th Century Women, and Silence. Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. A Why Watch That sneak peek. Listeners, ha 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 ha! The critic and I got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie Hidden Figures, which comes out Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to you! And it's definitely one of those movies that you could take your whole family to go see, and it'll be a delightful surprise for the kids and the old alike. But before we get into the review, we have to tell you. That it stars some pretty amazing actors and actresses. Octavia Spencer, mm. who really is leading these nominations, isn't she? Mm. Um, as well as Taraji P. Henson. Janelle Monet is reunited again with Mahershala Ali. And then, of course, the wonderful Kirsten Dunst and Kevin Costner. Tip it off. It's produced by Pharrell Williams, as well as some music things. But we have to tell you that the director, Theodore Melfi, also was one of the screenplay writers, along with Alison Schroeder, based on a novel by Margaret Lee Shredder. Wow. Should we tell you about the movie? Because that was a lot to take in. It's a whole bunch. Now, let me just say that I'm so happy that this was made. I'm just going to say that. I agree. This story needs to be told. It's yes. fascinating. Uh-huh. Thank you for that. Now, Thank you. This story focuses on three black women mm-hmm. who are mathematicians at NASA. And this is what, the late 1950s? Am I right here? Um, well, it springs a little uh, a span of time, but this is before um, we landed a man on the moon. Yes. During that era, it's, it's while Kennedy made a promise to everybody that we will get a man on the moon because Russia had already gotten a man to orbit. Yes. So... We're in the race. Yes, we are. And here we go. So, Octavia Spencer plays the head, not with a title, but the manager of the group of female mathematicians, black female math- mathematicians at NASA. And they're the uh, the West Area Group, I think is the name of it. And they're called computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're doing all the computations because they don't have the mechanical computers yet. It's coming. Yeah. That's a big part of the plot. There are also, there's a group of white female mathematicians as well. 
And that's where Kirsten Dunst comes in. She's the head of that. And they're the East group. Okay. So we have, uh, that's Dorothy Vaughn, played by Octavia Spencer. We also have, of course, Taraji P. Henson plays uh, Katherine Johnson, who is a mathematical genius. Mm-hmm. And has been since she was a girl. Yes, and we see that at the beginning of the film, how she's a girl and how she just starts going through those computations. We have Janelle Monet playing Mary Jackson, who has her own thing when it comes to engineering. So each of these women has a particular skill set that NASA needs. For Mary, Dorothy Vaughn, sorry, played by Octavia Spencer, she becomes a budding computer wits. Okay? And we see how that develops. Now, what happens is, Kevin Costner plays the director of the Space Task Group. His mm-hmm. name is Al Harrison. In his area, they need, who they call it a girl. It is that time. Yeah. Everybody. They need a girl to come in who can do the math or the maths. Check the math. Yeah, to check it. That's right. So, you know, all the trajectories of space flight. And none of the white female mathematicians could do it. So Kirsten Dunst comes to uh, Octavia Spencer and asks, do you have anyone who can do this? And she's like, oh, yep, Catherine. Boom. So in goes Catherine, again played by Taraji, to this group of all white men and one white female. Who's, who's the secretary? Yeah, secretary. <laughs> and she's looking at her like, uh-huh. Of course, what does she do if she wants to go to the bathroom? Hmm. Can't use their bathroom. There you go. What does she do if she wants a cup of coffee? Can't use their cup of coffee. Coffee maker, no, no, no. Now, Kevin Costner just wants someone who can do the math. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Jim Parsons plays Paul Stafford. Second man in charge, basically. There you go. And he doesn't like it at all. He doesn't need her checking any Mm-mm. of his work. But the flip side is things have been going wrong when they're actually trying to launch the spaceship. Stuff's flying all over the place. So somebody's math is wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that happens is they eventually figure out that maybe they need to invent some math. Maybe they don't have it. And who's at the crux of that, everybody? Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, again, Octavia Spencer's character, she figures out that these computers that are coming in, the physical ones, not the actual women, they're the wave of the future. Yeah. And she wants to ensure that all of her uh, employees who are ostensibly under her continue to have work. Because once those computers start working, that's it. These women are out of a job. She goes to the library, everybody, to get a book. And that's a whole moment. And figures out how to work that computer. Also, to end it, because this is a lot. To end it, Janelle Monae's character, Mary Jackson, she's encouraged by an engineer at NASA, the head of that program. Who's Jewish and, 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 and a foreigner. That's right, but he's had experiences as a foreign Jewish Exactly. Guy. Yeah. He says to her, why don't you apply? They have an opening. Paper. Right. Mm-hmm. They have an opening as an engineer. She goes, really, me? Are you serious? So we see what happens as a result of that. So these are three pioneering women in a group of pioneering women who made their mark on history. And that's the story. We haven't given you every single thing because, of course, yeah. you need those Yeah, stories. we've been a love story with Mahershala, and there you go. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Mahershala, we see you and we love it. Now, 
what do you want to start with, Ref? Well, I think we need to start with the fact that um, the aesthetics of the movie, and then we can get into the performances, and then we can leave, because you really don't need to, to wallow here. No. You've got Pharrell Williams, I don't know, like I said, producing, but he's doing the music. So the music very much is a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's got an undertone. He, there are, There's a repeated song, especially when she has to dart off to the restroom. Um you know, when she, whenever there's any running around, the music really tells the story along with it. So Pharrell's made his mark on there that way. Uh, the costuming is over the top, really hinting towards the 50s, 60s. Lots of color, lots of, of wigs and hair and all of that stuff. You've got the cars that are lined up. I mean, aesthetically, it feels like Disney on ice um, on steroids. <laughs> as far as the 50s and 60s go. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's the aesthetic of it. You really do have to give it up to, um, you know, the, the, the whoever paid for this. Because as far as the ships go, as far as recreating some moments, it did feel authentic, I will say that. The spaceships and the, and the trial and error periods, it felt authentic. But we really have to go to these performances. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, just to throw in, John Glenn is in this movie, and it'll, it's interesting what he does. I'd say that. Uh, For performances, let's start with the trio. Yeah, you have to, really. Taraji, to me, this is not Empire, everybody. Okay? No. So she's really pulling it back, except for one scene. Yeah. There's one scene where it's like, let's go for the gold. Um, outside of that, really restrained. And what I did like is her relationship with her daughters. Yeah. Bringing in Mahershala's character, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, her husband has died. So she has the pressures of, of making money so she can support her daughters. Her mother's there to babysit. Um, so you get you completely buy that from Taraji. Mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer is Octavia Spencer. Whip smart, and you believe yes. what's coming out of her mouth is coming Ex- from her brain. Exactly. You know, you believe she understands everything she's saying, and you believe that she's in this tight spot where she knows she deserves more than she's getting, but she can't go off. So we see a lot of scenes with her and Kirsten Dunst. Straight, yes. Where it's like, uh, excuse me, wait a minute. Don't you think <laughs> that I should at least have a title? It's that kind of thing. Beautiful. Janelle Monet is there to go, uh-uh, to everything. Nope. She's a rebellious of the three. She's got a little more spice. There it's, you go. It was cast well that way. I mean, she's yes. a spicy girl. That's right. And it's nice, and thinking of her in Moonlight and in this film, okay. We're seeing Janelle Monet say, I am here to be taken seriously as an actor. That's right. Kevin Costner, to me, was game. He yeah. is that guy. Got it. Kirsten Dunst, got it. She did a great job. I have to highlight her. Yes. I've never seen her in this type of grown-up, uh, authoritative role. Yeah. She kind of um, is re- on the receiving end of things. But she was given it and held her own with not only Octavia, which that's hard to do. Yes. She held her own with anybody she came into contact with. So that's off to her. Yeah, and you believed her as a seasoned woman in charge. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't over the top. Jim Parsons as the villain. Okay, that's just what he is. It's Jim Parsons. We know he can act. That's no problem. And Mahershala is Mahershala. He's there to smile, and everybody loves him. Yep, and those teeth. (laughs) We love you, man. And Aldous Hodge from Underground is in it as well. Let's not leave him out. So, here's the thing, though. (laughs) Now that we've talked about the performances, when it comes to directing and writing, 
Uh-oh. Writing to me is professional. That's what I'll call it. But it's not special. And I that's what I wanted because the actors were game. They were ready. They were invested. And the story I, alone. Yes, and the story yes, it's just such a great story to tell. And that hasn't been told. So it, it hit its plot points, yes. It just there's nothing that you come away thinking, wow, that one scene there was amazing. The directing to me was fine, but I think it could have had a sharper take. Just in certain moments, I think it could have been, they could have had more of an opinion about what was going on and not try to gloss too much of it. So that's my caveat for the movie, but I'll just end it and let you take over. I definitely think for the holidays, get your families together, go see this. This is a story you have to see. And this is a film that you're going to like. I mean, you're going to like it. It does entertain you. So I appreciated that, uh, all of those points that we talked about. Well, I have to echo that. There's nothing more that can add. Um, I didn't, I know why the gloss is there, and I know you do too. The gloss is there for this um, film to have shelf life because it's the first time we've ever heard about these women contributing in the way that they have. I used to teach African-American studies. I was an African-American studies minor, and I did not get a chapter not even a paragraph on these women. So you want, you know, the producers and everybody involved wanted the movie to have some shelf life for it to be shown not only in high schools and middle schools, but also in elementary schools, upper elementary schools. They want to be able to, to say this is the movie that you will continue to watch and show in your classroom. So I totally get it. You get it. We all get it you're going to get the gloss. Now, if you want to check this out, which we at Why Watch That say, you should. Please. Go to the movies, support it, not just because it's three black women, but because it's great stories. Yes. It's a great story of, of anyone uh, inventing math to get our men into space and um, make history. You can check it out December 25th. It's going to be open everywhere. Everybody's going to want to see it and you will regret it you don't baby it's cold outside yes we're almost wrapping up 2016 (laughs) not before we tell you about a little movie we checked out months ago um in uh september at the new york film festival and it's a film called patterson and it's coming out this week december 28th sneaking in uh the last of the year and it's directed Mm -hmm. by jim jarmusch and jim is no stranger to directing and writing because he did just that for this one. Yeah. It stars Adam Driver. Yes, the very Adam Driver from the uh, Star Wars reboots. Kylo Ren. Yes, that guy. And it also stars Golshifta Farahani. And I apologize if I if I didn't say your name correctly. Among others. Now, we really should get into this because this is a slow groove and we don't want to make this uh, review slow groove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Patterson, the title, references two things, everybody. It references Patterson, New Jersey. Yes. It also references Adam Driver's lead character. His name is Patterson. So he plays a bus driver named Patterson who lives in Patterson. Okay. Now, look, everybody, this is intentional. The whole movie is about repetition, duplication, twins, 
anything like that. Serendipity, all of it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because it really is a poem on film. And that's on purpose. Uh, Because William Carlos Williams, (laughs) another repetition, is a major poet in this film. It's a major influence on what's going on. So what we get is essentially a week in Patterson's life, the character. So it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the very beginning of the next Monday. And that's it. That's the movie. We see him wake up without an alarm. He checks his watch. He kisses his girlfriend who's in the bed. She's still asleep. He gets up. He has uh, his Cheerios. They have a, a bulldog or she has a bulldog. Okay. Who's looking at him going, get out. He leaves. He walks to work. He gets in his bus. There is where he starts writing some poems. So he is a poet. He waits for his manager to come. The manager says, okay, you can go along with some other stuff about his family life. He drives his route. He gets off of work. He walks back home. He might continue writing some poems. Also, on his lunch break, he writes poems. I'm uh, sorry. I just want to correct. It's his wife. It's his wife. It is his wife? Yes. Because you, you know what? I was looking for a ring and I didn't see it. Okay. So, his wife. And so, he's there. He talks to his wife. He has to walk the bulldog. But he walks the bulldog to his favorite watering hole, a bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there he gets a little drink. He gets a little talk. Some characters come in. Okay. And then he goes back home, goes to sleep, repeats. So we see this re- repetition over and over again with little changes here and there. I don't know what else to say about the plot. <laughs> well, in the meantime, yeah. snuggled in between all of those things, he's really developing a poem for that day. So every day there's a development of a poem and you see how his outside world affects his inner life. And how he expresses that via poem. So that's that's kind of what you're getting in this monotonous, you know, repetition of life. You're getting this inner creative life that's expressed. Yes. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, everybody, this is the kind of film that teaches you how to watch it. <laughs> okay? Because at the beginning, you might go, huh? <laughs> Because he's just reading. You don't know what he's reading. You're like, what is wrong with him? Why is he reading like this? You and he keeps repeating it. <laughs> yes. So it, it's that kind of film. Um, it even flows, Ref, the, the rhythms of it. It's so much like a poem. It's enigmatic like a poem. And it can be straightforward in certain places like poems. So I think that what Jim did in writing and directing is really a masterful job of doing this. Now, everybody, I'll tell you this. This is not for everyone. It's not. No. A lot of you may find it boring. A lot of you may find it too long, even though it's not that long. Um, So that's okay. But it is art. And the the shots of Patterson, New Jersey, the, what he chose to shoot on the bus route, the waterfall, I know, Ref, you were taken by that, even his home environs. It's really nice to watch, and it, it's just floating along. You know what? And as well as that, the performances of each of the characters, each of the actors, was exactly what was needed. There was nothing more, nothing less, except for the bartender's wife. I mean, she came in and, and gave it. <laughs> a performance of her life and um you know it it it, it definitely the method man's in it he is he did a great job he did he did he just popped in but what you really see here is this man who pours his life like i said into the poems and as this is my favorite part 
as the poems are being written or as they're mainly finished, you almost have this Bob Ross. Remember the, the Happy Trees guy on PBS? Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> this, a, little, like, a little tree over here, Pop. A little tree over here. You have this happy tree, happy music kind of playing as the poem is scrolling across the scene and you see the backdrop of a waterfall fall. It really felt like a strange, it fit, but it was a strange occurrence. But I will say this. The critic is right in saying it teaches you how to watch it. The music, if you listen to it, tells you something different. Yeah. It's very anxious music. And you don't know, because we all know that Patterson, New Jersey is a very dangerous place or a very wonderful place. I mean, a lot like the Hurricane um, Carter, uh, the famous boxer, he grew up there and had a very misfortunate occurrence happen to him where he was actually innocent. There's some crime, you know, uh, rumors that happen in Patterson and maybe not even rumors. You kind of feel that. It's beautiful. Patterson's beautiful, but you kind of feel like, oh my gosh, at any moment, this is going to be tragic. And you'll have to find out whether or not that happens. Yes. Uh, and what and what the tragedy is. Ah, very good. Yes. So, you know what? I, I definitely recommend this. Um, even if you just start watching it and, and you find out it's not for you. It's some films and even TV shows, it's good just to check out. Because it teaches you what you like, and and you might not even know why you like it. So it's just it's an interesting exploration. I think that Jim Jarmusch. I want to talk to this man because I want to know. I know it took him many many years to give it to us as a film, and boy oh boy, it shows because he really really weaves a lot of things. Yeah. Not throwing it in your face though. It's very subtle. It's very thoughtful. Listen, if you want to check it out, it's going to be in a theater possibly near you on the 28th. It's cold. Uh, you're probably uh, stuffed with all the turkey or uh, the Christmas fixings or whatever you celebrate. Listen, Patterson won't disappoint if you just relax and go for the ride. No pun intended. <laughs> This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Back to why watch that. Okay, so we got another sneak peek for you, listeners. 20th Century Women, which comes out Christmas Day. Hmm. And it is uh, directed and written by Mike Mills. And we got a chance to take a look at this, the New York Film Festival, a while back. The cast is heavily stacked. We've got Elle Fanning. We've got Greta Gerwig, Billy Kudrup, Annette Benning, and wonderful newcomer Lucas Jade Zuman, if you haven't heard of him, and among others. <laughs> now, this is one of those movies that you're already, I have a feeling, hearing, sensing, smelling the award season bug and fumes and oh. <laughs> whispers. You're hearing all of that. It definitely was a hit at the New York Film Festival. Um, it got critics 
hopping, skipping, jumping, dancing. Perhaps you would want to, if you want to go out to trudge through the snow, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you might want to think about doing that. Ooh, you are jumping the gun. Look at that. Okay, so what happens is this. We're in 1979. Annette Binning is a mother. She has a son, played by Lucas Jade Zuma. And she wants to raise a man. How can she do this? The father is not in the picture. Well, she enlists the help of two women, young women, one of whom is played by Greta Gerwig. The other is played by Elle Fanning. Now, Elle Fanning's character is actually really, really, really close friends with her son. And they're only two years apart. Elle Fanning is two years older. And of course, the son, what's his relationship with Elle Fanning? He is interested in her. Is she just as interested in him? Greta Gerwig lives with them. You know, she's a, a punk artist. She's got the haircut you would expect from the time period. And she wants to let uh, Lucas know about how women work. Now, that's what's going on in that background. But we also get the backstories of each of these women, especially and young Lucas and Billy Crudup's character, who is a carpenter who's hanging around. So what you get is you get snapshots in time for all of them. We get Annette Benning. We know that she was born during the Depression, and that affects her character moving forward to the present. And she had young Lucas's character at the age of 40. So we have all of that going on, and now he's 15. So there you go. It's really about the characters here. It's not really about driving the plot per se. Yes, absolutely. Now, in all of that, you're going to find some amazing performances here. Of course, you've already recognized some of those uh, actors, but no, none of them really, you know, just dial in. They hone in. And the way they hone in with one another, you really have to highlight it here. I have to give it to Greta. She, um, being a baby of the 80s, reminded me of a person full of angst, full of... She's also dealing with a, a, a very heavy medical issue that really shapes her character and her choices. So you see her deal with this medical issue, how that affects the house, how that affects Annette Benning's son and Annette Benning, and how it affects her and she sort of lives her life that way trying to find herself she just reminds me of um that movie with Nicolas Cage who plays the um 80s oh man I totally can't think of it I'll think of it like later or whatever it's, it's totally that she even dances as if she's from the 80s. it was a, just a wonderful honest performance and she totally has this honesty about her that when she is reacting Listeners, you're going to watch it. You're going to want to watch it. You can see her really reacting. You can see her really having an experience on screen. And I, for one, appreciated that fresh take on acting from a young actress. Billy Cooter, I mean, come on. He, he is playing a very strange man. <laughs> Billy is strange. Yeah, that's what he plays. <laughs> you're going to appreciate his performance. Of course, Elle Fanning plays the teen angst um, girl who has to endure um, her mother who is a who's a psychiatrist or a psychologist yeah. and you see her go through her sexual um, suppression if you will, her sexual awakening, her sexual expression um, but 
really not happy. And I thought Elle did a, a, a wonderful job of playing that borderline depressed teen mm. that we all see. Yeah. I have to give it to you. The hats really go off to the scenes between Annette Benning and the young man who plays her son. I mean, those scenes were so honest. They had such great dialogue, such great rhythm. Annette Benning is a master. It's just watch, sit back and watch her work. She really, really is doing some of her finest work here. And the um, actor who plays her son is feeding off of it. I mean, yeah. he's going head to head with her. So again, if you want to see some great performances, if you just want to be moved, if you want to laugh, especially if you're a product of that um, era, if you were born in the 70s or grew up in the 70s or even smell a little bit of the 80s, you're going to really enjoy the nostalgia that Mike Mills brings you down with 20th Century Women. That's right. And, you know, I really can't improve on what the ref said. Uh, I will talk about Mike Mills uh, as the writer-director. He did pull a lot from his own experience with his mother, his friends. And you can feel that in this movie. You really can. So if you want to sit with some characters who are rich and not in money, but in the way he fleshes them out, this is the way to go. Plus it's Santa Barbara, so you get that whole kind of scene um, I really think that they did such a great job together with writer-director Mike Mills and the cast. Um, it reminded me of The Squid and the Whale, if any of you saw that, that kind of semi-autobiographical feel. So there we go. Are, are we saying, Ref, that they should run out to see this in the theaters? Well, if you don't want to trudge through the snow, we'll completely understand. But my take is you won't be disappointed if you do. Mm. So again, this comes out, ha, 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 Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, Mike Mills has a special treat for you. It comes out December 25th. If you want to catch 20th Century Women. And if you don't want to catch it then, you can just go ahead and hang out for the award season because I guarantee you, somebody's getting out. <laughs> hey, listeners, we have a special treat for you. We, the critic and I, just got to see a screening, sneak peek of the new movie Silence by Martin Scorsese, which comes out this Friday, December 23rd um, in New York and L.A., but then you're going to have to wait if you're elsewhere for, like, January, the first week. Yeah. It is, like I said, directed by Martin Scorsese. It's even written by him along with Jay Cox uh, based on a novel by someone. I'm not even going to try and pronounce their name because I will not pronounce it right. Shusaku Indo. That's probably not it, but okay. It is it. How dare you? <laughs> Andrew Garfield is the star leading this cast with Ann Adam Driver and Liam Neeson. Yeah. Along with a ton of other um, overseas actors and actresses. Now, let's talk about this because this can get a little complicated. Can it? Well, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll see. Maybe it will. You never know. When I start talking through plots, I surprise myself sometimes. Now, everybody, look. So we're in the 17th century, okay? And what's happened is uh, the Catholic Church has gone into Japan to try to convert them to Catholicism. No shock. Uh, but there has been a backlash, and essentially, they've been eradicated. Their last few vestiges of the Catholic Church in oh, Japan. Oh, I'm impressed that you used that word. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Pat myself on the back. Last few vestiges <laughs> of the Catholic Church in Japan that they are trying to erase. 
And the way they do that is they round up uh, many Japanese people who are Christian and essentially make them uh, become apostates, uh, which means they make them renounce their religion in some way in a physical manner. I won't say exactly how they do it. Mm. There you go. And what's happened is there is one remaining priest in Japan who reports have said have also be- has also become an apostate. So his two mentees, uh, and that's played by Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, that's Rodriguez and Garfe. The two of them cannot believe it. And they tell their superior, played by Kieran Hines, Father Alessandro Valignano. Hmm. They tell him, no, we don't believe it. We need to go check this out. At first, the father says, no, absolutely not. But he relents, agrees to let them go. Yeah, because these priests are getting killed, like murdered, uh, martyred, and tortured. Exactly. Um, and, and the way that the Japanese do it is they use uh, certain symbols from Christianity and twist it. So, you know, they're really making their point uh, because their point is, look, we have Buddhism. It works. How dare you come in here and try to uh, trample on that ground? Okay. So uh, Rodriguez and Garpe, they end up in Japan. Uh, they're not safe, as the ref just intimated to all of us. And they go on this search for... But but there's a guide that takes them. Yeah, yeah. Before we get there, they're going on this search with this guide. We're going to get there. (laughs) They're going on this search for Father Ferreira, who's played by Liam Neeson, of all people. Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay. So they do have a little guide who tries to get them to Liam Neeson. And this guide is Christian, so we think. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Now, they end up meeting lots of Christians in the land who cannot believe that priests are in their midst. So, of course, they want to be blessed. Of course, they want to go through confession, all of that kind of stuff. Of course, they want crosses and rosaries and all of that. And baptisms and blah, blah, blah. Now, you can guess what happens to these priests. You know they're not going to be safe for long. And the question becomes, how can they handle their own doubts and how can they continue to uh, stand up for their beliefs in the face of the torture of so many Japanese Christians right before their eyes and the killings, the murders of these people? Mm-hmm. So what happens is, of course, you know that we get to Father Ferreira. The question is, everybody, has he become an apostate or not? Is that true or not? And at the end, the question is, what Uh, does faith mean in the face of torture and murder? Can you pretend to be one thing and harbor other beliefs? Is that possible? Or in pretending, will you actually change your own mind? Is that what's going on? So we have this long journey. Yeah. Through that, it is two hours and forty-one minutes. It's Scorsese. He just can't help himself. He can't help himself. Yes, and all of this is based on, as the ref said, a novel. But it is based on real events, and the novel was written by a, a Japanese Christian, 
um, who experienced some things not quite like this, but it inspired him because I think he was in France, ref, and all of that. And he experienced uh, racism there, and then of course uh, being a, a Japanese Christian in Japan, how that was received as well. So there you go. That's basically the plot. Well, a little behind the scenes of all of this, this is Scorsese back at the writing pen, as I said. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't written things since, what, Casino? And this was shot in... I love um, Casino. You do. This was shot in um, 35 millimeters. so he's back to film, and he hadn't done that since Shuttered Island. Um, well, look he, at you. Look at you dropping the knowledge. Wait but, a minute. Listen, I'm trying to earn this check. <laughs> <laughs> but, but... Um, all that to say is that this has been a long-time passion project, of course. Yeah. So the two hours and 41 minutes of, of time that you're going to spend in the movie theater if you choose to see this movie is you're going to watch many, many decades of him trying to get this on, and he's going to want every single minute um, there. So let's just not, you know, smile and nod to all of that but get to the heart of the matter the heart of the matter is mm-hmm. is this worth seeing in the movie theater is it worth $15 is it worth you taking your time out of the winter um, uh, horrifics that may be going on right now wherever you are should you go out and see it and you can't really talk about that unless you talk about the experience of the film the performances. First of all, you've got Liam Neeson. This originally was supposed to be Daniel Day-Lewis playing this role. Mm. And um, Gael Barnal, I can never say all of his name, but uh, he was supposed to play Andrew's role. And then Benicio De Toro was supposed to play um, Adam uh, Driver's role, which would have been a different movie, but they casted younger. So you've got Liam Neeson, you've got the voice, you've got the stature, and you've also got some strong acting chops. He didn't disappoint in this movie. He had to deliver some pretty tough lines and deliver a very tough um, performance, and he did so. Adam Driver, what a strange-looking man. (laughs) When he's like 50 pounds underweight, because he's already like kind of tall and skinny, but they all lost a lot of weight for this film, and he was strange-looking. Nonetheless, his performance was truly a standout in this film. I really was drawn into, you know, I saw Patterson, which we'll review um, later on. Oh, you'll hear that. And this is a completely different um, Adam Driver. And I'm sure from the last Star Wars movie, um, not Rogue One, but the one before that, the reboot of it, completely different from that. So very strong performance. We do have to talk about Andrew. And that is, you know, that's the anchor here. Yeah, you know, it, it really is his movie. Uh, he does really carry a lot of it on his own. A lot of it really is uh, just him. Um, and then he's reacting to his captors. Uh, I, I like Andrew Garfield. I really do. I think that uh, in Hacksaw Ridge, he, this is another major film for him this year with another major director. Um, I think, however, in this film... He's not quite ready yet. It's not his fault. It's just every actor has his or her own season. Mm-hmm. And his season right now is not quite to have the gravitas. Yeah, yeah. To hold the camera the way a Liam Neeson would, uh, or even a young Liam Neeson, a young Daniel Day Lewis, even Adam Driver, who is becoming one of my favorite, one of my favorite actors to watch. I mean, you talked about Patterson. So. It, it's, he's a little too young. He reads a little too light 
to carry us through for almost three hours. Not a bad job, but not quite what was necessary to sell this for me. And it makes sense because Gael was a, the original um, thought of that, who's older and a little more seasoned. Yeah. Um, but we, I do have to say, I do appreciate in this movie the... Um, what he had to go through to communicate what he had to do because he had a, an array of emotions yeah. that he had to communicate in the trenches in this physical place which was beautifully beautifully displayed mm-hmm. in this movie beautifully shot um but it was um, absolutely stunning yeah. yeah but at the end of the day at the end of this review would i have paid 15 dollars to see it now number one it's scorsese so Man, you just you have to see all of his movies. Then it's Liam Neeson on top of that. But after seeing it, it really is two hours and forty one minutes that I can't get back. It's a long movie. It's so long. It would have just shaved some of that, and there were places to shave. But you know, again, this is totally up to you. If you, for me, this is my last will and testament. (laughs) Oh boy, of this film. If you are a movie buff if you thoroughly enjoy the questioning of faith and what it means to to believe and what it means to be a christian and what it means to be a spiritual person if you like those thoughts if you like those discussions if you want to see scorsese at you know this point in his career go see it do it if you are looking for a strong movie to see this holiday season, probably not the one for you. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, watching this, and we talked about this, Ref, I was thinking of other directors. I was thinking of Terrence Malick, mm. who knows these rhythms. He has a way of doing it filmically that's a little more interesting, I have to say. But even uh, Coppola, I was thinking of... Um, uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. It's yeah. a similar kind of story there. Um, and then you think of Scorsese's films in the spiritual realm, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, Kung Doom even. Just for me, it's not quite my preference from him. Yeah. Not that it's, it's bad. It's just that it's not where I think his strengths are. Um, oh, we do have to warn the, the the listeners really quickly that there may be some offensive yes performances from the Japanese cast or the or the cast who played Japanese the Japanese actors. It really there was a lot of you know shucking and jiving going on, um, or or some things that just may be a little offensive to you. And I'm, I'm not talking about language or anything. I'm talking about how they were portrayed. Yeah, the depiction was, uh, it got sketchy at times. Um, uh, also, I will, I will leave you with this, everybody. Toward the beginning of the film, uh, when Rodriguez and Garpe come uh, to Japan and they have their guide, um, you know, honestly, I was thinking of Lord of the Rings. I was thinking about, <laughs> yes, yeah, I know you were, ref. I had to say this for both of us. I was thinking about Gollum leading Samwise Gamgee and Frodo Baggins to Mount Doom, literally thinking of that. So, (laughs) with that said, if you are a film buff, if you love slow and meditative and repetitive over and over and over and over again, 
great. And you're going to enjoy the shots. The sound was very interesting. Remember, the title is Silence. It's interesting how they use that. So there you go. If you are the normal film goer who wants to get your money's worth, you don't want to sit in your seat for almost three hours, don't go to this movie. It really isn't for you. Yeah. So Silence opens up again on the coasts, L.A. and New York, uh, this upcoming Friday, the 23rd. But if you, you know, you might have to wait because January 6th is its nationwide opening. Listen. (laughs) I'm listening. I'm silent. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.